0: welcome to the grace baptist church podcast for sunday april 16th 2023 today's sermon is part three on israel's deliverance from egypt a deliverance from pictures of the gospel if you'd like to follow along please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org click the current sermons link at the top and click today's manuscript welcome to grace baptist church we are having a baptism today um and so we're gonna be we'll be baptizing um, Abby and Sophie, the Henley girls, and then we'll be baptizing Ava Holton as well. And so we, we look forward to that. And, and so just so, some instructions now so they won't have to give them at the end because there's another church in Landis coming over right after us to do uh, another baptism. So you'll probably pass some of them coming in and out. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to end up passing them. The men are going to pass through the men's locker room. And the ladies are going to go through the ladies' locker room, okay? And, and so it's pretty easy. So just make your way, as soon as we're done, make your way over to the pool like we like we normally do. And Aaron's going to be out there, and Ted will be out there to, to give us some help. We just can't use one of the doors because of some technical difficulties. So through men through the men's, ladies through the ladies. And so we'll do that at the end. Um, normally I say as well right now, turn to, we're, we're, we're in Hebrews, but... For four weeks, we're taking some time off as we're talking about the faith of Moses. And so we're going to be back with Moses, the third part of four sermons. Next week, we'll get part four. But let's, uh, before we begin, as as we always do, let's pray and let's just ask the Lord to help us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time again that we've come on this Sunday morning. Father, as we even celebrate... um, baptism this morning and we we just praise you that you're working in our hearts and our lives and that you are saving even to the ends of the earth and so father we give thanks we give thanks that that we're here and and father we come in jesus name knowing that none of our prayers are answered um, outside of christ because father all of our sins are covered in christ and you hear us as your children uh, just directly to you um, in the name of Jesus. And so we are very, very grateful uh, for this morning. Um, I pray that in, in the sermon today that the gospel would be proclaimed. I pray that Jesus would increase, that I, that we would decrease. Um, Father, I pray that Christ would be more beautiful to us. Father, in spite of me, I pray that you would work greatly. And, uh Father, we just we give you this time. I pray that you would give eyes to see and ears to hear. If someone is not a Christian, that they may look unto Christ today, repent, and, and by faith look unto Christ and be saved. And we just uh, give you this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the sermon is Israel's Deliverance from Egypt and how this pictures the gospel. <clears throat> and particularly today the deliverance itself, how they were delivered from, from Egypt. And then next week, we'll go into the desert and see some pictures there of the gospel. And so, the key principle, though, for us today, the big umbrella, is that the ways in which God worked to deliver Israel from, from Egypt were meant to do what? I mean, it wasn't just, it was history, it was fact, those did happen, but what was it for? To point forward to Christ the one who would be the deliverer of our sins and it's not just the gospel itself but it's not this as we go back and 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 talk about the story today it's not just the gospel that it pictures the ways in which God worked in Moses and in the people there are the same ways that he works today and so it's more than just the picturing the gospel we also see certain principles from that time period, in the ways that God works throughout the entire Bible. You see, God is progressively working out His plan that we now, as Christians, celebrate in the gospel of Christ. And let me just say, I don't think there's any greater example in the, in the Old Testament. There's no greater picture, no greater type, no greater shadow to display God's great deliverance of His people, us, from the slavery of sin than than what we see in the Exodus. And so today I have three truths with some applications. And then then I will give a summary at the end. So here, let me go ahead and give you my three truths. First truth. Only God can deliver from slavery, from Egypt. Only God can deliver from our sin. So only God can deliver His people from slavery. Number two deliverance must include judgment on those who oppose God so the second second big part there is just judgment when God delivers his people we see great judgment <clears throat> finally three there is no chance or uncertainty <laughs> with God's plan to deliver in other words God will do it and there's no chance that he will not do it he will save his people from their sins and so let's begin Truth number one, as we think about this the picture of the exodus. Only God can deliver His people from slavery. The Hebrews in Egypt were in, if, we, if you remember the last few weeks, if we think about the story, they were in such peril that if God did not, after 300 and some odd years of working up to about 400 years there in Egypt, if God did not work, they would have perished there in Egypt. Let's think about that for just a minute. They loved the things of Egypt. They had grown rich and they had multiplied. They served the gods of Egypt there. They were very idolatrous. In fact, towards after how far they had come from Joseph, the man in power, bringing his dad and everyone down from the land of Canaan, how far they had gone down, 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 down in peril. And they had forgotten how to worship God. In fact, it's interesting because Moses says, What is your name? They have to ask God, What is his name? so that they can then worship him in the right way. God may have been on their lips, but the God of Abraham was far from them at this particular point there in Egypt. So, if this week I was reading in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Um, if you want to, turn over there with me. I'm going to read some verses, but you're welcome to turn over there with me. Deuteronomy 32. This is a song in the Old Testament that Moses sings and he delivers great prophecy after they are delivered. Okay, and So that's what we're looking at here in, in Deuteronomy 32. And there's a, there's a whole lot here. And he's basically just describing their time in a song. And so, in the first verses of Deuteronomy 32, Moses speaks of God's greatness, God's care over the people of Israel, the people of the, the Hebrews there in Egypt. He, he talks about how much he cares for them. But then in verse 15, look there with me, he speaks of how they, even while he was caring for them, <clears throat> They turn from him. And we read, But Jeshurun, Now that is just, that's a poetic word used a few times to show that God loves his people Israel. So, but that, so basically that's saying, but, but Israel. But Israel, Jeshurun, they grew fat. And they kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. So that was what was happening in their time in Egypt. They were just getting more and more comfortable, more and more comfortable with the things of Egypt, the riches of Egypt, the gods of Egypt. Then he forsook God, who had made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation. They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known. This is speaking of the Hebrews in Egypt. But... God, in His mercy, raised up a king that did not know Joseph. This was the purpose of God, to deliver His people from Egypt and take them back up to Canaan. Now, God does not merely cooperate with them. He doesn't merely just cooperate with the people who love Him. Instead, He comes to them and He shows them mercy and grace... Even though they were idolatrous. And he does it in such a way that only God can do the work. Just this week in my quiet time, I was reading from the book of Joshua. And, And here's some words. I'm going to read them here in just a second. But these words speak about God doing what only God can do. Beginning with Abraham taking them all the way up to Canaan, and then just doing everything the only God could do. And we read, here's some words, you just listen to them. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and he summoned the elders, the heads of the judges, and all the officers of Israel. They presented themselves before God, and Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. So God is speaking. Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor. And they served other gods. So Joshua's just reminding them all the way back to Abraham. They served other gods. Then I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river, and I led him through all of the land of Canaan, and made his offspring many. And then the... the, Joshua says, or God says there in Joshua, I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau, the hill country of Seir, to to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt with with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. And I read these words, because when I read these in my quiet time this week, The point is, if God will do anything in your life, He will do it. It will be Him and Him alone that will do it. He alone will get all of the glory for the salvation, bringing them out of Egypt, and He will get all of the glory for saving you. A few applications here before we move on to point number two. It's not by works that we are saved. What does Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say? For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's, it's a gift of God so that no one will what? No one will boast. So no matter what we think about how the, the, this world and the things that gets put into us. About how we think we might be able to save ourselves. We cannot, whether it's you know, raising a hand to pray a prayer or walking an aisle through the years or doing good works to someone or coming to church on a regular basis or giving our money or whatever it is, none of those things contribute one bit to our salvation. At the end of the day, we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, but God who is rich in mercy, He is the one, even when we were, reached down and saved us. Another application. We think about Moses and those in Egypt at that time. This deliverance was designed so that only God would get the glory. So when God saves, when He brings them out of Egypt and they come to the Red Sea and He brings them to that point. We're going to talk about this next week. He brings them to that point and then Pharaoh comes with his chariots and with his armies, and he says, "I'm going to take you over, I've had a lapse back, and we're going to now I've got you." And then God delivers them through the Red Sea and kills you know, the, those who are pursuing them. How do you think they felt? Do you think they had they thought, in any way, shape, or form, they had anything to do with their salvation? In fact, they probably thought, we will perish. We will perish." And so by way of application, we worship our God because He does what He does in our lives. I, I can just say, looking back on my life and becoming a Christian back in back in college, and m- most everyone in here, a lot, a lot of you knew me, knew what I was like. It It has been up and down through the years, for sure. And God has kept me, and I can't explain that, but God has kept me. But it is still, when I realize my great sin, I'm just like, Israel there in Egypt, in slavery, right at the Red Sea. And I know that I could not have done anything, but God reached down and saved me. And so, therefore, I worship Him. And so, if you are a Christian today, just let this be a reminder that we worship God. And we say, what a great God we serve. And so, we must give God the glory for everything. And so, when we think about Israel in Egypt, we were just like them when God saved us. After 400 years, idolatry, complacency, worldly, trusting the blessings of God instead of trusting God Himself, but God reached down. Uh, And and another thing, just this week too, in my my quiet time, I was reading Psalm 80. And here's what it says, verses 17 to 19. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand. The son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. And then the psalmist says, Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be be saved. So by way of application, just thinking about my own self, when I read this psalm this week, and I see my, I, I'm prone to sin. I'm prone to go and do my own thing. I'm, I, I'm constantly feeling like I'm moving this way. All I can do is pray this, Lord, give me life, and I will call upon your name, and I will not turn back. And so I urge all of us here today who, who are Christians, just to keep that before us. Lord, let your face shine upon us that we might be saved. Final application here for this first truth. Such is the gospel of Christ. That story pictures the gospel. Only God can do such a thing in the gospel of Christ. And you might go, what do you mean by this? What did God do? God took on what? Flesh. God came down to us, this is, the, this is the incarnation. This is 100% God, 100% man, there in united together in one person. That is the greatest mystery. Jesus says if you've seen me, you've seen who? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Only God could do what. There's no other way. So all the other religions out there, they have all these ways that say you can be saved this way through this prophet or through doing this or through traveling here or for giving this up or for praying in such a way. No. There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved except the name of Christ. Only God can do it. Truth number two, when we think about the story of the Exodus, this deliverance must include judgment on those who oppose God. So as God delivers His people, there's always judgment against those who oppose Him. So there's salvation coming, but there's judgment going on at the same time for those who oppose oppose Him. Deliverance and judgment always go hand in hand. So since the, the fall, since sin entered into the world, judgment and deliverance have always gone together. Now, we see this as God used, what did He use in Egypt for judgment? We know the story, the ten plagues. God sent ten great plagues. Now, that's just a picture of completion. Now, it, it was ten um, and, and then, of course, there was nine, and then the tenth one was by far the worst, where, they, where, where there was the death of the firstborn. And we see all of those killed in Egypt. And this week I tried to read and say, what, what, what about all these plagues? What about number one? What has that got to do with anything? What about number two? And I tried to think through these things and analyze these plagues um, just a little bit. And it was a bit intriguing to, to read about these plagues, but... The truth is that, the, the, that these plagues were comprehensive and they were a judgment by God and they were comprehensively judging every bit of idolatry that was coming out of Egypt and all of those who opposed him. And you know, these, these, these plagues are never pretty, never pretty. You think back through the plagues. What was the first one? Well, the Nile turned to blood. And then we see the, the frogs. Coming out of the Nile and covering the land. We see the gnats coming down. I hate gnats. And think can imagine just gnats everywhere. Nowhere you could go to get away from them. And flies. And then and then it gets even worse than just physical for the people, then the death of the livestock. And then sickness boils on everyone's body. And then hailstones from heaven. And then locusts coming and eating all of your crops. I was pretty upset this past couple of weeks when all the rain just washed out all of my spinach. Which, I don't know what we're going to do there. Just two little rows of spinach. You can't imagine locusts coming and doing all of that. And then the worst judgment of all, the death of the firstborn. And these were not just localized experiences. They were comprehensive, over. Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. And at the same time, of, while all this judgment was going on there, what was God's one of God's purposes? But what was His purpose for His people? For Israel? For the Hebrews? They were going to be saved through all of this judgment. Because in the end, and that, we're not even getting into the hardening of Pharaoh's heart at all today, but it's almost a miracle that Pharaoh didn't let them go sooner. I would have let him go after about the third or fourth plague, maybe the fifth, you know, depending on the personality. But Pharaoh did not. And it's horrible, all of the judgments that fell upon Egypt. And so when we think about that, what are some applications and some truths that we might be able to consider that picture the gospel for us today? Well, first application, truth, application, whatever you want to call it. There will, there will not be one enemy of God to stand. Nobody will, nobody, no, nothing will finally and ultimately oppose God. No one. There won't be some rogue demon hanging around at, at some point in the future. There won't be any person who opposes God and continues to have influence. There won't be any institution that will stand that opposes God. There won't be any idols. The Bible says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father now until when? Until all of His enemies are made His footstool. That is happening now, and that will continue to happen. Every one, everything that opposes God will be judged. Every knee, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So, for the Christian today, what does that mean if you are a Christian today? Well, this means that if you are a Christian, if you are, we can put it another way, if you are in Christ, we could put it another way, if you have decided to follow Jesus, but if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, then what has happened to your sins? They've been judged, have they not? Jesus, when He he died on the cross... He laid down his life as a sacrifice. Sacrifice was, when you go back to the Old Testament, what, what happened in those sacrifices? There was a death. What is the, the wages of sin is what? Death. So those Israelites in the Old Testament, and even non-Christians in the world, throughout the history of the world, non-religious people who are just sacrificing, they know there's something going on there. So the Israel was saying in all those sacrifices, We deserve that. But God, in your mercy, in your grace, accept this. This sacrifice of death. So when the final sacrifice came, which is all about the book of Hebrews, Jesus laid down his life as that final sacrifice for sin. So by faith, if you believe in Jesus, then Jesus takes your sin upon himself. So this week, if you are a Christian... What sins has he taken upon him? Your your impatience, your 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 unrighteous anger, your the way you deal with with your family members in a particular way, the way you you maybe you you in in some way you know just not treating your neighbor as you ought, and so you're. Not liking them in a particular way. Whatever it is that's going on. If you are trusting in Jesus, which of those sins are covered by His sacrifice? Every single one of them. not just your past sins. Not just the sins you committed this morning. Up and even to now in your heart. But future sins. They've all been laid upon Christ. That is judgment. Someone had to die. And it couldn't be an animal. It had to be Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so if you are a Christian today, God's wrath has been averted. Your sins are taken away and you have peace with God. If you're a Christian today, you know what I'm talking about. There is peace. If you are not a Christian, if you do not find your sins under the blood of Christ, then judgment will come. It will come. And the long-suffering of God, I pray, is happening now just for you that you might turn to Christ and be saved. Here's another truth. Application truth. Since the fall, salvation must come from judgment. And I'm sort of repeating myself a little bit here, but that's okay, right, Greg? From Sunday school, we learned just repeat, repeat. But since the fall of man... Judgment and salvation, judgment and salvation always go together. I mean, we could go back through the Old Testament if we had time. We could see all of the times that Israel rebelled. And then what did God do? He judged them over and over and over. But then in the midst of that judgment, at the end of that judgment, then what would He do? Bring them back. Bring them back. There's always judgment and salvation together. And the greatest example, again, is the cross of Christ. Because that is where the judgment of God, the anger of God, the righteous wrath of God is propitiated. There's your big theology word. His wrath is averted. And our sins are taken away. They are expiated. He's thrown your sins as far as the east is from the west. And so... There is no other place where we see the judgment of God and the salvation of God. The best place, if anybody were to ask you, you might say, well, look at Israel in Egypt. We see the plagues and then we see the deliverance. But all of that is picturing the cross of Christ. All the plagues, the wrath of hell that we deserve fell upon Christ. And then what did he do? Well, he took our sins, but what did he do three days later? He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Um, another just quick application, for Christians particularly. Um, consider the difference between judgment and discipline. Because those words kind of get um, blurred, I think, with us. Because we, we sometimes use the word judgment upon ourselves, but really what we mean is discipline. Or we mean discipline and And it really should be judgment. God was judging the Egyptians with plagues. Because they were the enemies of God. But through all of that, think about what He was doing with His children in Israel. I mean in Egypt. He was was disciplining them. Okay? The judgment was falling upon Egypt, but they were in the midst of it. Okay? Okay? God was sparing them, and ultimately He spared them because of the blood they put over the, with the Passover lamb over their doors. But they were going through that, and what was going to happen the next 40 years and further, even as they began to conquest and take the land? Boy, we're going to see 40 years of discipline. And so, we must remember as Christians that our sins have been judged. So the judgment that fell upon Egypt has already fallen upon Christ. However, God does discipline those He loves. And I don't think I've quite got my finger on that one yet, in in the sense of the specifics. But I think God uses, um, you know, two or three weeks of bad back, okay? Or He uses anxiety, or He uses depression or he uses the circumstances of life that we are going through to discipline us so that we have no option but to turn to him. But not only do we have no option because we have the Holy Spirit, we love to turn to him. And so we might say from a manner of speaking, God would turn his back, but only, but, but never forever on his people. He will let you be, and He might let you be in your own sin for a while, but He will discipline you, and He will bring you back. But that's very different than judgment. Finally this morning, let's go on to the last truth. There is no chance or uncertainty to the plan of God to deliver His people. When we think about um, what was going on there in Egypt. In other words, God's plan is certain. In other words, there is no option for God's plan not to go forward. God does not, as some people say, just create the world, put things into motion, and then let them play out as we want them to play out. God does not do this. God will save His people. God will judge His enemies. And so my question is, how do we know this? What should settle this question for us concerning the Hebrews in Egypt? Well, in other words, how do we know that God's going to ultimately bring them out? Well, if if you're a student of your Bible, you've read that there were prophecies that this would take place, at least twice, okay, that this will happen. But I want to go even further in this, to answer this question. How do we know that God will for sure save? Well, I... Answer that question by going back to, to before the foundations of the world. It's a great mystery. But I believe that, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, together they planned this in a covenant <clears throat> or looking forward to this covenant. But they made, they made this plan to save a people from before the foundations of the world. And to do this, there must be a deliverer who would come. And so we see this promise even after the fall, Genesis 3.15. And so God makes a promise with Adam and Eve and with the serpent there in the garden. One day I'm going to send one, and and this one is going to crush the head of the serpent. The serpent will bruise his heel. Okay, so I think that's looking forward to the cross. There's a promise in Genesis 3. Well, this is the promise of God's covenant. Well, if we move forward... This covenant is renewed and more information is given with Noah. God says, you know, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to save you and take you to the end. And then we see this covenant renewed with who after that? Abraham. And then we see this covenant renewed with Isaac and Jacob and with Moses. Now, and so I bring that up because God made a covenant and God will not go back on his way covenant on his word and so there is no chance whatsoever that God will leave his people in Egypt and so even though they had become idolatrous they were comfortable they had forgotten to worship him correctly God will not forsake them he and God confirms this truth so if you think about the story of Moses and the deliverance where does God confirm this in the greatest way I think I, I look to the burning bush. Is everybody familiar with the burning bush? We, we've heard stories. We've, we've seen TV shows. There's always this, this mystery of this bush in the desert that's burning, but yet is not consumed. And so I think that after you know 300 and some odd year, years there in Egypt, and there's Moses. He's born. He grows up. Forty years later, then he ends up thinking, I can be the deliverer now. But God says, no, you're not ready. So he kills the Egyptian. Then he runs out into the desert. He's running away from Egypt. He gets out into the desert. He gets married. He has kids. Forty years later, Moses is an old man. He's 80 years old. Okay? I think Moses had said, you know what? God's going to do it some other way. Yeah, I think God will do it. but, But, you know, maybe God will do it some other way. But when, and all those 40 years... What was happening to the, his, the, the Israelites back in Egypt? They were going through, you know what? Because of all of these things trying to the, the, the Pharaoh who did not know them. And there's Moses out in the desert. He's kind of escaped, but God says, "You know what, Moses, I am the God who made this covenant, and I will deliver my people." So it's time now you are ready. And I think Moses' discipline came a lot, even in the desert. And so Moses is there as a shepherd, and he sees this bush, that's burning. If I'm a shepherd, it's pretty boring. Just a bush might make me go somewhere. But if it's burning, you better believe I'm going over there to the bush. And so Moses heads over to the bush that's burning. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame and called out. So God speaks directly to Moses through the angel of the Lord. Do not come near. This is the Lord Jesus, I believe. But do not come near. Take your sandals off. You're standing on holy ground. And and Moses, what did he do? Okay. No, he hit his face and he fell in terror. And then, God is very direct. He tells Moses exactly what he's about to do in Egypt. And so then Moses says, okay, what is your name, God? And God says, do you remember what he calls himself? four-letter word in the Hebrew, Yahweh. Um, but basically, it's translated, God says, I am who I am. Which, by the way, Jesus uses that name for himself in the New Testament. But he says, Moses, I am who I am. In other words, this is my name forever. I have not changed from eternity. I will not change going... We, we talk about going forward and backward into eternity. That just shows how... finite we are and we're just trying to use words but God is saying to Moses I do not change this is my name now there's so much here but God is really what he's saying is I am God I cannot change I have promised and I will bring it to pass in other words there is no way my people are going to be left back in Egypt no possibility no chance that that my salvation will fail and I, I just think of my own life. Think of your own life. The faithfulness of God to bring His people back to His agenda when we have strayed. I look out over, we've been here at Grace for, for, I'm not counting exactly the months, but around 15 years. And I can just recall time after time after time where I've just in my heart wanted to stray or done this or done that. And, and God, or I said, man, life is just too hard. But yet God continually calls me back because He is faithful. His name is I Am. He does not change. And I could look out. And what's cool about being here for 15 years, especially those who've been here from the beginning, I've been in your lives. And I could just, I could, I could go through every row and just say, brother, Sister, and I'm not gonna call out names right now, and uh, <clears throat> but I could just say, look how God has been faithful to you and carried you through and brought you out and kept you because God does not change. And so even, it, you know, even it, when you go back to, to to Israel, there God could have left them. No, He couldn't have because He made a promise to save, and we and we know that. Now, fast forward 1,100 years to the end of the Old Testament writings. You remember the the last one recorded for us in our Old Testament? It would be start with with an M, Malachi. And as we go through all the themes of the Old Testament, we see the same old, same old. Faithfulness, then rebellion. Faithfulness, then rebellion. Ups. And Downs, judgment, salvation. And then, Malachi preaches. What happens after Malachi preaches? Does God... Well, let me just say, there are 400 years of silence after Malachi. God does not speak through the prophets in any way, shape, or form. And then, as we think... About that. <laughs> and we move forward. Galatians 4.4 4 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. God is the, the, the one who keeps His promise. And it was time for the sending of the Son. Back then it was time for Him to raise up a, a Pharaoh who did not know them. It was time for them to ra- Him to raise up a Moses who would be the great Deliverer. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Ephesians 1, verse 9, He has made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on the earth. Brothers and sisters, this is no burning bush. This is the real deal. That we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the incarnation of Christ who says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this we celebrate today because we're still going to baptize three girls today. Because God is still faithful. He hasn't left you, Ava. He hasn't left you, Abby and Sophie. He hasn't left, if you are a believer today in Christ, He has not left you. And our girls know this. They know that God has not forsaken them. This is what we celebrate as a church when we take the Lord's Supper once a month. Christ is real. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches apart from me. You can do nothing. Nothing. God is with us. There is no chance that He will not work to save His people from their sins. I think of the picture of the nursing mother. Mothers, when you, when you, when you nurse your, your infant, little baby, and they're hungry, can you imagine letting that child be hungry? We, we cannot even imagine. But God says even those mothers will leave their, leave their infant, nursing infants. But I am God and I will not leave my people. I love that verse. So today... In the gospel of Christ, God is with us. He is Emmanuel. He is with us. Let me give an application and then we'll finish with a summary before we, we move to our baptism. But <clears throat> an application. Thinking back to Moses and the deliverance from, from Egypt, God is working all things to His end. That should bring us great comfort as Christians today. Even through the ups and the downs, and the bad and the good, and the evil and the and and everything that's going on in this world, God is working all things for His good. Um, and He's Romans 8:28 says He's working all things for our good, for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. All things, even your anxiety, even your depression, even your suffering, even your Your sin, even this morning, whatever, or last night, whatever it is, God is still working those things, and He will not leave you, nor will He forsake you. So with that in mind, those three truths, let me end with a summary statement, and then some verses for just about five more minutes, and then we'll be done. So here's the summary statement. The exodus from Egypt pictures a greater exodus... By a greater deliverer than Moses. That's what we've been talking about for the past three weeks. And we're going to do that one more time next week. But Isaiah 40. Isaiah all throughout. But Isaiah 40. Verses 3 to 5. They talk about a future time when God will lead His people out of the wilderness. Not the desert from Egypt, but another wilderness. And chapter 40 speaks of a messenger who will come before the Deliverer. And who's the messenger that comes? Um, Same name as mine, John the Baptist. He speaks of him who will come and prepare the way. And and so in Isaiah 40, we see the the language of the Exodus, which no Israelite could ever forget. If you read the Old Testament, you're going to see this story told of the Exodus over and over and over and over. It just continues to come out because it is, it's the most important thing for them. In the, in the Israelite history, uh, the Jewish history, what is the first month of their calendar? That first month that they came out starting with the Passover. Everything begins there. When we get to the book of Acts, Paul and Stephen will recall all of this. But all of this is a type of Christ. This deliverance from slavery in Egypt is a picture, it is a type of Christ. So now turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 9. And this is where we're going to end this morning. Luke chapter 9, and it's so interesting that this is it's the transfiguration. Okay, I didn't plan this. We were talking about this in Sunday school. And here we see not the type. The type is the Old Testament. We might call this the anti-type, okay? This is the fulfillment. We see this exodus back here. Now we're going to see another exodus. Okay, verse 28, Luke 9, 28 and following. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took him Peter and John and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. His clothing became dazzling white. And here's here's the the next sentence I want to point out. And behold, two men were we're talking with him. Who were the two men? Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory, and they spoke about his departure. That word departure in our English... In the, in the Greek, is just literally Exodus. It's E-X-O-D-U-S in the Greek, okay? And in the Hebrew, for that matter. But it, or excuse me, just in the Greek. But that word, they spoke of his Exodus. What was his Exodus? Well, the next verse. Which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. That is why Jesus came. To, to, to fulfill a greater exodus. And what did he do in Jerusalem? <laughs> he died on the cross. And, and right at that time, Peter, <laughs> Peter, James, and John, they got all excited. but Especially Peter. Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him and as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he had said. <laughs> Peter often does that. Sometimes we do, I do that myself, not knowing what he had said. I hope I don't do that from the pulpit. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son. My chosen one, listen to him. In other words, it's time to stop. It's not that we don't listen to Moses, but Moses is not our authority. Jesus the Lord Jesus, the one who created Moses. He's the one before Moses. I am. I was there, Jesus says. This is my son. So I would encourage and exhort and plead with all of us here to to do this this morning. This is my son. My chosen one, listen to him. And then the, when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. Moses and Elijah were gone again. It was Jesus. And they kept silent. No one told no one in those days anything about what they had seen. So today, brothers and sisters, this is the greater exodus. He, Jesus is the greater deliverer. And so I would say wherever you're at in your life, if you are a Christian... I hope this sermon helps you to behold the Son just a little bit more. that He might be more beautiful to you. If you're not a Christian, I would say the same. Look, this is my beloved Son. Look unto Him. There's salvation found in no other. No other. And this was the plan of God from before the foundations of the world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. Thank you um, for just blessing me and helping me physically even as I stood here today. For my voice, Father, uh, I pray that Christ would be just lifted up. I pray that you would be worshipped, that I would not be seen. Father, I'm very ordinary, but you are great. And you are worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship. And Father, your kingdom is advancing. Jesus is sitting at your right hand until all of your enemies are made your footstool. And today we're going to baptize three people and then another church is coming to baptize more. And there are churches all over the world that are baptizing believers. And I pray that... that, 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 Father, first of all, it's just we praise your name because you are still working. And the same truths that we saw today are the same truths that, that are going to continue until all of the... Enemies of Jesus are made his footstool. And I just pray that you would bless our time. Help us to worship you as we go over to the pool. And help us to to just have great praise on our hearts for the, for the God who does not forsake us. Father, if we get what we deserve, it's worse than that. But we do not get what we deserve in Christ. So we just give you this time. And we pray that you'd help us now as we... As we baptize. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church Podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Rowan YMCA, nine fifty Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at nine thirty for fellowship and service starts at ten. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.